What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to part two of my interview with Mark Lavolsi. In the last episode, Mark and I talked about Vanilla Sky, and we also talked a little bit about something called the Connet Project. The Connet Project is a set of recordings of strange number stations discovered on shortwave radios. They consist of random sets of numbers reported in an eerily monotone voice. Many believe that it is a secret government communication for spies. If you're interested, I link to a wiki article so you can read more on the subject. You can check it out at artoftheguillotine.com slash podcast, The Cutting Room. Now on with the show. Now you also talked about the opening scene and doing the jump cuts and the frantic mood. How did you make sure that the scene didn't cause confusion for the audience? Or was this an important element for future plot lines? Well, I think it was an important element for establishing a style mm-hmm. up front. In terms of causing confusion, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think a lot of the audience was confused. I think many people were confused by the film mm-hmm. in general, you know, which is interesting because I think f- half the people who saw the film like got it before we ever revealed what was going on and half the audience didn't get it even after we explained it, mm-hmm. didn't understand it. So you know, addressing the issue of confusion is still kind of confusing to me. <laughs> How did you make the sure that the scene didn't cause confusion in the audience but yet still worked? in um, setting up future scenes? Well, I haven't seen the film in a while, but doesn't he wake up from that Times Square moment? So, uh, you know, if people are confused by the Times Square moment while they're watching it, they're quickly going to realize that it's a dream Mm -hmm. that he's having. And I I don't think we really worried about the confusion because we kind of solved it we kind of let people know it was a dream pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And in a dream, you can do anything. You can jump cut things. You can have you know, crazy pop culture riding up the sides of Times yeah. Square. Now, you talk about working with Joe. How did you guys work together to structure this film? At least to my memory, I don't believe we did any radical shifting of scenes. I know there was mm-hmm. some condensation of scenes. We montaged up a section of the film the scene with the Macy's Homer Simpson balloon, that area. Oh, yeah, yeah. That area was sort of like a condensation of a bunch of scenes in a row that were kind of boiled down. Joe did that, boiled that down into a montage. Uh, Beyond that, I mean, it was pretty much in as scripted order as far as I can recall. It came from another film, like it was a remake. Aubrey Lissohaus, yeah. Yes. Did you go to that film for editing? I, I watched the film before we started because I was curious about the film I was going to be working on. Mm -hmm. So I did watch it once, and that was pretty much it. And once I saw it, I kind of got the gist of it. And never really looked back from there. Yeah. Because it is pretty different editing style. Oh, it's pretty different in many ways, actually, I think. I think that uh, Aubrey Lusojos is just kind of like a straightforward thriller with no Mm -hmm. frills attached to it. Vanilla Sky, I feel, is much bolder and tries to make larger points. I noticed in particular with your cutting the various Cameron Crowe films, you tend to reveal a lot. And in Vanilla Sky, you reveal his face not only to the audience, but to Penelope Cruz. How did you go about 
His fixed face. Yeah. Uh, well, his, yeah. His well, that's just that's just good storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, revealing something through a reaction, I think, is just more interesting than just showing something. Well, I found that with Elizabeth Town and all the other. There are uh, slow reveals. I know you mentioned about the, uh, you know, driving into town. Yeah, and all that it slowly sort of thing. builds and gets. Well, again, you know, that's the that's the beauty of Cameron's, you know, ability to tell a story well and interestingly, and not just straightforwardly. Mm -hmm. I want to jump to Wedding Crashers because Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson both are notorious for ad-libbing a lot. Yes. How did this affect your editing? Well, again, you know, and I, I'm, I'm in no way taking away from Vince or Owen's ability to ad-lib brilliantly because they did. And they're very smart and funny people. It's almost an extension of their work, though, because they're putting so many ideas out at once. And you can say, well, this is a really good one. This one's really good and put them there. But they all sort of stay, like I said, they stay on point if you really listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. it, like, think about the opening scene with Dwight Yoakam and Rebecca De yep. Mornay. Everything that they say is incredibly inventive and funny, but it's still on a basic point that was in the script. Mm -hmm. They never really stray. So what I had to adapt to was I had to really have the ability to listen and listen well and to really listen to what they're saying. Interpret, mm -hmm. interpret, and then be able to go back to the script and say, oh, this is the point they're trying to make. This line in the script mm -hmm. is the point they're trying to make. Then I would literally categorize all of these lines and I would try to build the scene using the best of what they did that's kind of off script but still on script in a way. If the line was, I think marriage is bad yeah. and I never want to be married, they would say it in a way that was that wouldn't be those words but it would be that idea. Okay. And then the next line would be, again, it would be a roundabout way Mm -hmm. of sort of saying the same thing. They would never quite say the lines, but they would say a funnier way of saying those mm -hmm. lines, I guess, you know? I mean, and again, not, not even to take away from the script because a lot of that stuff was in the script as mm -hmm. well. It was... Well, that's what's so amazing about it is that it's seamless. You can't... You can't tell. Yeah, it's like, was this part in the script or was this the ad-lib, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess there's, there's a lot of that. There's not actually all that much improvisation mm -hmm. in the film when you... I think when you sit down and watch it. Well, they have such rapid fire delivery too. Mm -hmm. Did this affect your pacing of the film? Or well, it helped it. I mean, I'm a big fan and always have been of screwball comedies, mm -hmm. Howard Hawks comedies, things like His Girl Friday and, you know, where it's bam, 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 you know, just the dialogue comes out like a machine gun. Mm -hmm. And so this was an opportunity to sort of honor that in a way. And frankly, you know, one thing when I'm cutting comedy, you want them to be breezy, you want them to be fast. You know, you, more than, I think, other kinds of film, you want to just keep the jokes coming. You want to keep people laughing. And their line delivery only lends itself to mm -hmm. that. You can just move at a fantastic pace with that. So it's just sort of like it was an organic fit. But then there's that, the football scene where it becomes very physical uh, and very almost slapstick where he keeps getting hurt and yeah. they're oblivious to this. How did you approach cutting this scene? I really let the dailies kind of guide me with that. I let the dailies guide me with everything that I cut, but in that particular case, it was kind of a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you see a stunt double for Vince being pulled 12 feet through the air on invisible wires, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you know what, what to, how to cut it. Well, you mentioned the dailies. When you watch comedy dailies, do you look for something different in the delivery of the actors than the 
drama dailies that you might see? Or well, I approach comedy kind of like the way I approach drama. I just look for something that, that feels like it's truthful, that mm -hmm. it's not forced, feels like it's hinting at good acting. The acting is solid, and, and frankly, you know, if, if something makes me laugh when I'm watching dailies, mm -hmm. if something tickles me in general, then I, then, you know, it's certainly something I'm going to try to use. In all films, there's a lot of reactions, but in comedy, it's, uh, a lot of it's in the facial expressions itself of the main actors. How did you use reactions versus the main character's facial expressions to communicate Oh, I just think I just think in general reactions are like sort of the backbone to that kind of comedy. I, I've always felt that you look at something like like the Mark Anthony cartoons that Chuck Jones did in the 1950s, that are that are all about reactions, especially the cartoon where he thinks the kitten's being accidentally killed. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just it's amazing stuff, and that stuff informs my work. Um, yeah, reactions just to me for reasons I can't really explain really kind of like are the icing on the cake of what makes something funny. Now I want to just jump to The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Mor when Miranda is introduced in the film, the audience needed to get a sense that the employees sort of fear her. How did you approach cutting the introduction to Miranda? It's good storytelling from director David Frankel's experienced hand shooting the stuff. It's a slow reveal. You start with a, a phone call, I believe, and the wonderful reactions of, of Emily Blunt and Stanley mm -hmm. Tucci and, and the whole office just going crazy. And then you show a foot emerging and then you mm -hmm. show a little more of her. She walks through the lobby and then you finally reveal her when she rips off her sunglasses mm -hmm. and walks out of the elevator. So again, it's the build. Who is this person? You don't see anything. It's like a shark coming at you. Why are these people acting this yeah, way? Yeah, why are these people? And you know, it's also, it's also something that um, was built not only based on that slow reveal, but playing off of, again, the reactions of Anne Hathaway, mm -hmm. who has some wonderful reactions as she's watching all of this happen, and she's standing there kind of like not quite getting what's going on around here. It's what adds the extra level, the extra dimension to the scene. The scene mm -hmm. is not just straightforwardly, oh, they're scared, here comes somebody who's scaring them. It's, oh, they're scared, here comes somebody who's scaring them, and the person who's trying to figure out what this mystery is is in the middle of all this, watching mm -hmm. all of this nonsense. So like we as the audience almost get to sit with her. And get to sit with her, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. How did you juxtapose Andy, which is the character's name, mm -hmm. with the various people in the office in your editing to help build the story? They, uh, they've, they've definitely they've definitely got an attitude. Well, I think that's, that's primarily mm -hmm. because of the performance choices, you know, I mean, Anne Hathaway plays it very kind of fish out of water, mm -hmm. I think appropriately, and, and again, Stanley is sardonic, and Emily is cold and haughty, and I think that the performances drove the whole approach to the dynamic of these characters. One scene where they're doing the run-throughs. Mm-hmm, the James Holt run-through, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Miranda's rejecting them, and I found that you kept really tight, so like she would say no, and there would be like a really tight cut on it. Mm -hmm. What kind of effect do you think this had on the audience? Well, hopefully it was building some sort of comical suspense. I mean, not mm -hmm. looking for real suspense there, because it's clearly not a place where we're worried about life or death, but trying to just sort of create, maybe not suspense so much as a big question mark that's getting bigger and bigger. Will she 
<laughs> will she accept, you know, and that's played off of the fact that he's growing increasingly nervous as his stuff is kind of rejected. You know, as she's not rejecting it, but as I remember the scene, just kind of not responding to it mm -hmm. until the end when she kind of like purses her lips. Yeah, and which that's is like the, the big sort of, of that's the big shutdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, funny thing about that scene is is that that scene there were a lot of dailies on that scene. It was really long. It was the entire run through without mm -hmm. jump cutting it. Oh wow! And I started to cut the scene. And I, now what I usually do is I usually watch. Like when the dailies are coming in for a scene, I will reread the script pages to reacquaint myself with the scene and what the point of the scene was and anything that seemed to be necessary mm -hmm. to do that day's work. Yeah. Well, that particular day, I didn't reread the scene. I just dove in and started cutting the dailies, and I started cutting them in real length. So I'm cutting this run through that's getting longer and longer and longer, and it's not getting terribly interesting. Nothing's sort of happening. It's just this long, 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 detailed look at all of these clothes and his discussing them and, and I'm putting yeah. it together and finally I at a certain point I just say let me look at the script again and I look at the script and it says something like we see these dresses through a series of jump cuts and I smack myself in the <laughs> forehead I said my god why didn't I read the scene and I went back and I started to cut it up and said of course how silly you know and I and, and you know it was Greatly enabled by Florian Ballhaus's fluid camera, mm -hmm. that I was able to create something that sort of hit all the right points and just, you know, in the shortest amount of time, I threw some music against it and suddenly it was a montage. Well, that was part two of my interview with Mark Lavolsi. I'd like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'd like to thank Jenny McCormick. And I'd also like to thank Mark Lavolsi himself. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. that I was able to create something that sort of hit all the right points and just, you know, in the shortest amount of time, I threw some music against it and suddenly it was a Well, montage. that was part two of my interview with Mark Lavolsi. I'd like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'd like to thank Jenny McCormick. And I'd also like to thank Mark Lavolsi himself. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>